Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venozzi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier. We are back for another episode. Uh, excited to talk to former Good Pasture guard Patrick P.J. Smith Jr. in just a little bit. He recently transferred after a couple great seasons at Lee University, transferred to Furman. Uh, so excited to talk to him about that and kind of his whole college basketball journey. And we will also spend some time addressing the latest high school football topics in the second half of the show. So stick around for that. Before we get started, though, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Let's go ahead and dive right in now to our interview with PJ, who's going to join us here by video if you're watching on screen. PJ, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. So, PJ, I understand you are taking some summer classes, going through workouts there at Furman. Uh, just got there. How has your summer been so far, kind of acclimating to uh, to a new place? Uh, it's been good. Uh, I would say, for the most part, it's been like, it's, it's different going from when I didn't have to go to summer school and then I didn't have any workouts and practices in the summer. So it was took me a minute to get used to. But right now, I like it pushing me. And I feel like it's going to make me a better player now. Yeah, kind of on along those lines, uh, you spent the last two years playing at Lee University. What, what made Furman a good landing spot? Uh, I felt like when I came here, uh, they they made it feel like it was at home. Um, they have a great coach around them, Coach Richie, great coach, great coaching staff. And they're about winning, and that's what I love to do. So I felt like this was a good spot for me. So this past season, you had a, had a solid showing. You named to the second team uh, Gulf South Conference there uh, for 2022-2023. And a few weeks after the season ended, you hopped in that transfer portal, which, as we've seen, can be quite an experience uh, for some people, depending on how things go. But you were able to kind of nail down your spot at Furman there a couple weeks later. I guess after you got in the portal, what was that process like? You know, How many schools were you hearing from? Uh, as soon as I entered my name in the portal, it was crazy. Uh it was just instant. It was like, I would say I talked to like 50 D1s, like mid-major schools. Um, I was just narrowing it down to who who called me the most, who showed the most interest. And uh, also another big part of me coming here was um, J.P. Baguese, playing at Hillsboro. Uh, he hit a big shot against Virginia here. Uh that's one of my good friends, and we, we used to play with each other, so that was a, another big reason. So I feel like that's what helped me get to where I'm at here. Hey, PJ, how much did the pandemic affect your recruitment? Uh, you were one of those guys that, that, that intersected their career. Did you, Were you able to play any AAU ball in the, in the summer or fall of 2020? Yeah, uh, I played AAU. Um, coaches couldn't come to the games during those times, they, so they watched on Zoom. So it was, I would say it was difficult. I had a couple schools, like D1s, like North Alabama, um, Appalachian State, some schools like that, that reached out. But then I would say they all of those schools fell off whenever the tra- they uh, made the transfer portal thing, and then everybody got extra years back. So you enjoyed a, a great senior season there, a good pass. You're helping them win the state title in 2021. You had 17 points a game, four and a half rebounds a game, about four and a half assists assist per game too. And towards the end of that year, you went ahead and committed to Lee. I guess were you kind of thinking the whole time that 
hey, you're going to try to go have some good seasons there and then transfer up to a D1? Or I guess what was kind of your thinking there uh, sort of towards the end of your senior year as you were preparing for college? Uh, just for the fact that I've seen some of my friends didn't have as great as seasons, and then they go off from the bigger schools. So that kind of made me disappointed a little bit. But I feel like uh, – I feel like uh, – wait, can you restate that? I'm sorry. I, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, – so when, when after you committed to leave, were you hoping to kind of show everybody what you could do and, and try to transfer up? Or, you know, I guess what was kind of your thinking entering college there? Um, no, I didn't like in LA. They have a transfer portal. I had a season and I was like, I'm just as and that's where I am. Yeah, and obviously, the reason that a lot of guys want to uh go to a division one basketball program is you get the opportunity to play in the state tournament. I mean, it's one of the biggest sporting events. Uh, in the world, the one of the most watched or, uh, you know, certainly in America has a chance to maybe be the top sporting event. And uh, former Hillsborough star JB, JP Pegues, uh was Furman's hero against Virginia. You mentioned it, uh, PJ. Did yeah. you get to see that uh, live? Did you see it after the fact? And what was your reaction to see a guy from Nashville just uh, hit one of the big, uh, arguably the biggest shot of the tournament? Uh. Yeah, I was actually watching it live in my at Lee. I was rooting for him, and whenever he got it, I knew I just felt like it was going in, and I was so excited for him just to see one of my closest friends hit, get on that stage, and show out all the work that they put out to put in to be to get there and hit the biggest shot. Like I felt like that was great, and I was happy for him. Yeah, you mentioned your friendship there. I understand you guys were AAU backcourt partners as well. I guess can you kind of tell tell us a little bit more about your relationship with JP and maybe how that helps sell you on on going to Furman? Uh, yeah, uh, we had when was it? I want to say my sophomore summer we played AAU together, and we had a real we had a real good uh really good chemistry. I would say we played like top UIBO teams beating them, doing good. I feel like we complement each other really well. So whenever he was like uh, trying to get me to come here and play with him, I felt like that was the best thing. Yeah, and obviously JP's been a great three-point shooter, uh, 40, 42% over the last two years. You shot 45% in two years at Lee. What does it take to be an elite shooter like that and get to that 40%, mid-40% uh, three-point range? Um, I would say, personally, just being in the gym constantly, getting up 500, 500 shots around that a day, just being consistent with it and just confidence. Uh, shooting is mental. You're going to go through slumps. You just got to either talk to somebody or – and the only thing you can do about it is keep shooting. So I I just stay in the gym every day and try to perfect my craft. So you're taking this step up now in competition at Furman. 
um, kind of adjusting to that, you mentioned at the top of the show, what kind of role are you hoping for this season as you, uh, as you kind of make that jump? You say what? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. What kind of role are you hoping for this year as you're, you know, you're making that jump now to the uh, division one level? Uh, just, just wherever, uh, whatever I got to do to help the team win is that's what, I, that's what I'm down to do is if I'm the best player, I'm the best player. If not, uh, buying in my role and just try to help my best help help my team be the best it could be. Uh, last thing, PJ, and then we're going to get you out of here. Uh, the good pasture basketball success has been pretty wild the last few years. A title in 21, a runner-up finish in 2022, and then another championship last year. You, you've been in the program. Why do you think good pasture's been so good lately? Uh, I would say a big part is Cosign. Cosign, great coach, great coach. And just like here at Furman, like, it's just a great coach around the – the team around school, uh, I feel like my class led and everybody else fell off of it. It's just a ripple effect and everybody is just all in into the program and just is about winning. And hey, PJ, one, one more bonus one on the way out here. Yeah, obviously, your, your journey is uh, – through the college basketball ranks has been a little bit different, you know, starting out at, at Lee and then now going to Furman, I guess, what would you, what would kind of your advice be to maybe a high school junior or senior out there that maybe doesn't have the college options they're hoping for? Uh, what, what would you say to somebody like that? Uh, I would say just stay patient. Don't force it. It's going to come. Like if you're good, people are going to see you. Uh, I would just stay, gym, stay consistent. And then me personally, I will pray about it and it'll all work out in the end. If you're good, that's fine. Well, good stuff. Congratulations again, PJ, on landing there at Furman. And we're uh, excited to see how it all shakes out this year. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, PJ. That has been former Good Pasture, former Lee, and now current Furman guard, Patrick. Uh, PJ Smith Jr. Enjoyed talking to him there. Had a little bit of a connection issue, so apologies for that, but I think we got most of what PJ was saying. Um, so thanks thanks again to him for being here. We're going to take a quick break now and then come back with some high school football discussion, so stick around for that. Tired of hanging lights every year? We get it. That's why Southern Nights is here to help. We install programmable lighting on your home or business so you can enjoy beautiful, customizable lighting all year round. No more ladders, tangled lights, or cold nights outside. We do the work, you do the celebrating. Call Southern Nights today and take the hassle out of holiday lighting forever. For a free quote, give us a call at 931-241-3074 or visit our Facebook page at Southern Nights. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It was just a few cocktails at happy hour. You're <laughs> <laughs> really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay? Love your hands, baby. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, 
You live nearby. What's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. We're going to get to some high school football topics here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to remember our uh, colleague and friend, Donovan Stewart, who died unexpectedly expectedly last Saturday at age 49. Um, just awful, awful tragedy. He leaves behind uh, his wife, Christy, his daughter, Kyla, his two sons, Connor and Cole. We are thinking about them, praying for them during this just terrible time. Tyler, this, this news hit us all kind of like a bus when we found out on Sunday and, uh, yeah, just we're we're gonna miss him a lot here. Yeah, and I think everybody will miss him. Uh, when you think about the way Donovan, you know, if you ever had an interaction with him, he had a lot of energy, and it was good energy. He's a really positive guy. Uh, I don't think he ever started a conversation, you know, necessarily complaining about anything. And if you saw him at a game, that was kind of when he was really in his element. He was just fired up to always be on a sideline, um, watching football. Uh, you know, a lot of times or some of the time his dad would be there. I know he really looked up to his dad and loved talking to him about football, you know, former football as a former football coach. Um, he just had a real passion for what he did and he really sunk his teeth into it and certainly was really ingrained. Uh, and because of where he grew up and lived and, and what happened in Rutherford County. So uh, I know that that news hit especially hard there, but yeah, we are going to miss him. And it was, at the Williamson County Media Day on Monday, there was some recognition about Donovan. Um, Clint Finch took a moment to kind of thank the reporters for what we do. Not that we need that, but I think it was just a moment that he stopped and thought, you know, Donovan really put in a lot of work to support the the game and what this sport is. So if you're in this sport in Tennessee, I think you, he, you're appreciative of that. And maybe you think about what all the good Donovan did for what your livelihood is and Chris Hughes uh, from Fairview also mentioned something. So yeah, he's obviously going to be missed and, uh, we're, our thoughts and prayers are with his, uh, his loved ones. Yeah. Something that was impressive about Donovan was it, it wasn't that he just covered one city or one County, maybe knew a few coaches or teams here and there. No, he literally, it was the whole state. He, he was interested in everything and kept up with all the coaches. Of course, he also worked with the Tennessee football co- high school football coaches association there. Uh, as their media director, did a lot of volunteer work just to keep that organization running. And uh, I think that allowed him to build so many connections across the state. And then, of course, he was always looking to break the latest coaching news. He had every fact and figure uh, you could imagine from all these teams. I mean, it was it was something. I remember when he first started with us two years ago, um, you know, I was I was his editor for a lot of the time. He was he was working for us. Tyler, I know you edited plenty of his stories, too, but one of the first things that he sent me was, were these classification previews, you know, these capsules literally for every team in the state split up by classification. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of teams and there's a lot of facts and figures from all those teams. So I think the first document he sent me was like 40 pages long. And I was like, man, we got to find a way to cut this down. (laughs) And he was like, there's really no way to cut it down because you know, we've got every team in here. So. And that sounds like him. I mean, he just, if any, he was going to overwrite something about football uh, in the state than he was underwrite, and just sort of told you his heart was in the right place. He just, 
it, when this when football high school football season comes around, he really kind of just came to life. I mean, obviously he kept up with it year round, but uh, there was just nothing more fun than seeing him a game for me because he was just the most excited guy on the sideline. And like you said, I think that showed in, in his uh, the way he worked. He just he didn't know when to stop once he got writing, um, and that was a that was a, a fun thing about Donovan. Definitely. So if you want to read more about Donovan, we've got a story up on MainStreetPreps.com. If it's not on the homepage uh, when you listen to this or watch this, you can just search up Donovan Stewart. You'll be able to find it. It's also got his uh, funeral arrangements on there, the details uh, for that, and also where folks can uh, send money to sort of remember him. I believe it's the to the TN uh, Football Coaches Association there. It's started a fund in his, in his memory. So go check that out if you haven't. Again, we're thinking of Donovan's uh, family and friends during this time. Really are going to miss him. Um, and on that note, perhaps fittingly, Tyler, let's let's dive into those high school football topics now. Last week, we both got to see this is kind of the opening night of scrimmages. I guess the opening Friday night of scrimmages. I was over at Columbia Central Nashville Christian. Uh, you were over at Siegel Brentwood. Uh, just taking in that Siegel Brentwood game. I mean, what did, what did you kind of see? I know there's a new quarterback out there for Brentwood that you, that you wrote about. Yeah, Baylor Hayes at Brentwood was kind of the main. Uh, storyline just because he's the newest face uh and has some has some talent has some uh division one offers that is going to be leading one of the one of the bigger programs in the area and i guess you know what you say one of the most storied so that was kind of the main story he's uh you know he didn't have like the greatest passing night or anything it's not like but i mean i don't know who in a scrimmage it's just it kind of is what it is you get your your limited time out there and uh there's not a whole lot of rhythm at times, but, um, you know, he was solid. He did throw one pick in the end zone. He threw another touchdown. That was a really good play. And I think he's going to be pretty good. I mean, to be honest, I I think he's going to be pretty good without trying to hype him up too much. And, you know, uh, Clint Finch, his coach didn't really, you know, he's not, he said about the same thing as me. He has a chance to be pretty good. And I think Clint thinks Brentwood has a chance to be pretty good. And I, I wouldn't disagree. I think they look pretty solid. They got some big bodies uh, up front and, um, you know, Clayton Merrill and Matthew Manning are good receivers. Uh, and then Baylor Hayes, the Baylor, the way he can change the game and is he's a good runner. So you've got a, he's really, I think he's a real dual threat quarterback, um, that can help them have a season. You know, I, I haven't seen everybody in that league play, but I don't know why Brentwood couldn't be a favorite. I know that actually it's kind of a weird league because there's like four favorites, you know, last year and Clint bragged about this at media days, but he said uh, last year at that time in August, he said that he thought four teams could win the league. And you remember what happened on the last week there were on the very last night, four scenarios where four team, or I don't know how many scenarios, but there were scenarios where four teams could win. So I hate to peg Brentwood the favorite or anything, but why? I mean, absolutely in the mix every year, but I, I liked what I saw there. And then, um, you know, on the other side of the ball, Siegel, Terry on Grant is going to have a huge season. Uh, he's a four-star cornerback. Um, he, uh, he caught a long touchdown. I mean, he can get behind a defense and he can just, he can kind of make you look silly. Uh, he's being recruited as a cornerback, but I would guess they'll get him on the field as much as they can. Uh, Adam Renshaw mentioned that just get him on the field as much as, uh, as much as they can to, to play receiver. Cause absolutely a, a dude that can, tear up a defense and over at uh national christian got to see you know jerry curtis 
great quarterback there who had just this incredible storybook offseason where he picked up offers from everybody. Uh, he's a class of 2026 prospect, so he has not been rated or ranked by any of those recruiting services yet. But whenever they do release those rankings, it's expected he's going to be right there toward the top. Uh, he's got great size, great arm arm talent there, and he, he showed it in that scrimmage early on. Zipped a long touchdown pass to Bryson Holt. Later uh, had, a, had a, a bomb to Braylon Toll. Really nice throws. Um, he told me he's he's not going to scale back on the running at all this year because last year he, he did run around quite a bit when plays broke down. And, you know, being a big guy, pretty fast, he was able to pick up some yards, pick up some touchdowns. He said that's not changing. The coaching staff asked him if he wanted to, to wear a reg, non-contact jersey for, you know, practices, especially those scrimmages when they're playing other teams. And uh, he said, no, he wanted, he wanted to get in there and uh, get physical. And he, he did that on a play um, sort of lo- lowered his shoulder and uh, barreled a uh, Columbia central defender into the ground towards the end of the scrimmage. No less. So. I wonder if he sees that as his future at that position too. He's six, five. Is that right? He somewhat, I mean, he might be six, three or six, four, uh, but yeah, right around there. He's, he's tall. He, he was, ta- I felt like he was towering over me and I'm about six, one, six, two. So yeah, he's he's got some good height. I'm just trying to think, you know, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know how uh, these guys are that are big and can get you on third. You know, if you can get to basically third and three, and maybe they can get you a first down, six three. It says Jared Curtis is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if he grows a little bit, that's that's a part of your that's part of your football ticket, I would think. You know, if you can get to the third and third one, third and two, third and three situation, and you're the guy that can get him a first down, you are, and you can throw the ball. That is, uh, that is the total package. Yeah, I think he, I think he sees it that way too. So he's not letting up there on the in the running game, even though he's received all these offers and everything. But he's probably going to have to do continue to do some of the running and making some plays on, on his own. Cause uh, he's got a whole new cast of playmakers around him for the most part. A lot of, a lot of young players, guys that haven't uh, had as many live reps. So uh, there are some, some players they're excited about though. Bryson Holt. He was a freshman last year. I remember him uh, from the Columbia Academy game. I covered, I believe he had a touchdown in that game. Looks, looks really good for a freshman. And uh, he's back. He, like I said, he had that long touchdown catch early in the scrimmage. Seems like he's going to be a pretty big weapon, maybe coming out of the backfield and or lining up as a receiver. Um, so versatile weapon there. Braylon Toll, uh, I believe a senior wide receiver, Ryan DeMumbrian. Uh You've got several guys there that, that he can work with, but they are guys that did not play as much last year. So that'll be interesting to see how they kind of uh, adjust to that. And then Columbia Central still seemed like they were working some things out. Of course, they have a new coach there in Tradarius Goff. He's a Columbia Central alum who I believe won a state title uh, with them as a player before he went on to Tennessee Tech for a very successful career. So, uh, yeah, still figuring things out. It's uh, They've got, I think this is their second or maybe third coach in the last two or three years. So there's just been some kind of some upheaval down there. Caden McCoy, their running back, did have some, some, nice, uh, some nice runs. Looked like they were maybe still kind of deciding on quarterback or working a couple of quarterbacks in the scrimmage. But um, yeah, I'd imagine maybe as the season goes on, they'll, they'll have some more of those things figured out. But as, as of that first scrimmage and I've learned though, over the years, you, you really can't judge a whole lot of the first scrimmage. I mean, you know, there's guys still just learning where to line up plays to run. I mean, it can, it can look a little ugly at times. And then you come to that first game or especially by mid season and it looks totally different. So I think Columbia central is probably hoping for, for that path. Yeah, I don't know. The first scrimmage is always 
it's just it's kind of for fun it's fun to be out there and you can see a couple things but it's it is amazing i i would give a hat tip to coaches on you know on august or on july 30th you watch a scrimmage and you're like man nobody even these guys don't even know where to be and the coaches seem so dissatisfied and the work that goes in over the next 18 days is really good i mean week one's kind of a helter skelter as well but uh things look a lot better in that first week and uh so it's it's interesting how quickly it comes together you mentioned earlier the williamson county football media day there on monday i know you wrote about uh, you know a takeaway from every team again you can find that on mainstreetpreps.com right now but um tyler what were maybe one or, one or two things that really stood out to you that you learned there yeah i i asked uh, for a story i'm going to do um a rule that every every uh, coach would change in high school football if they could. There were some interesting responses out of that um, about the dead period, about the start of the football season, which we meant, uh, mentioned. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of for another time, but that was sort of my, my uh, initiative last night in addition to just asking a few other questions. And it was kind of funny t- toward the end of the, toward the end of the night, I think words started getting around to the coaches that that question was coming and the questions, the answers got very similar um, or they came out a lot faster, I guess. Cause there were a couple where maybe they were caught off guard and it wasn't meant to catch people off guard, but I think they weren't maybe expecting that. So it was funny there. I think the coaches got together toward the end and might've come to an agreement on one rule. They all wanted to change or something, but that's okay. Um, I guess the big storylines when you think about that county or, uh, you know, that region 66A, uh, how, you know, that's a, that's a fun region. Um, obviously, we kind of covered them a little bit, how will Ravenwood be. It's a team that's traditionally been really good. Lost a, does not have many seniors this year, though. It lost quarterback in Chris Parsons, Chris Parson, and uh, – uh, you know, I think adding Centennial to the league and then going to 5A in that region with uh, with Page and Nolensville is really exciting. Jamal Stewart is a new coach over there. Centennial had a lot of success last year and probably looking for an even bigger breakthrough. That's a storyline for sure. Uh, I think Page is going to be really good. Uh, Jonathan Palmer at quarterback. We have not got a chance to see him. He's a nephew of Jordan Palmer uh, and Carson Palmer, um, who – Jordan coincidentally uh, helped coach uh, Jake McNamara, the quarterback at Page, a couple of years ago. Um, so just another good quarterback at Page, I guess, is a storyline. You know, that's been a factor for them, Russell. Um, I'm trying to think. I had a couple more that I was – oh, I guess uh, interesting. There was a lot of talk about the TSSAA schedule because the, the TSSAA handled the region schedules this year and will we'll do so next year. So we've got Brentwood Ravenwood in the last week of the season which, uh, you know, honestly, is just kind of neat. I think it's maybe how it should be. I think those, I think any rivalry game at the end of the year is pretty awesome. Let the teams, when they're playing at their peak, play. But um, I don't know if there have been any other storylines on your mind, Russell, but certainly, you know, maybe when you think about statewide contenders, Paige possibly, I mean, I think that's a deep program right now. Uh, Ronan O'Connell on the offensive line, um, Clemson commitment, you know, they're two linebackers. You look at what uh, Eric Hazard did last year. His numbers were crazy. I think Paige is stacked again and I think could make another run at that 5A title game. Well, that would be something after, you know, being in it the last two years to get there a third straight year. Maybe they could break through kind of the same deal as Nashville Christian, really. 
uh, two title games in a row coming up short. So, you know, they are going to try to do everything they can to get back there. Uh, <clears throat> Tyler, really quick on the way out. Lipson Academy picked up another transfer, a deuce night quarterback, um, highly rated guy and adds to their kind of embarrassment of riches talent wise. But just, I guess in 30 seconds, what do, what do you think he's going to bring to the Mustangs? Yeah, I mean, he's a four-star quarterback, uh, has probably every offer that you would want as a high school player, including Alabama. I feel like that's the gold star at, at this point in the recruit's life. Uh, they're they're going to have three straight Division One quarterbacks in that program in three years, and I would I wonder if it sets a precedent, you know, that that program's not going to go without a, 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 a good recruit at, at quarterback, regardless of whether they have one at the school or not, you know, somebody's going to want to go there and make that happen. So yeah. Embarrassment of riches is right. Adds a completely different dimension to that team. Uh, there'll be guys he can throw to. He wouldn't have gone there if he didn't. So uh, it'd be interesting to see once he gets in there, how it looks. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee highway safety office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Thanks again for to PJ Smith for joining us earlier in the show. Be sure to rewind the, the replay or the podcast version and check that out if you missed it. And uh, for Tyler Palmatier, I'm Russell Vinozzi. This has been Main Street Preps this week, and we'll see you next time.